And now Pastor Jay is going to come forward and share with us a little bit about baptism. Thanks, Joe. So, uh, as I mentioned before, there's been baptisms today. So, this the first service, uh, Isaiah Hines, my son, and Spencer Dick uh, were baptized. And we were able to celebrate with them. And now in this service, Beth Giesbrecht and Kiana Friesen are going to be baptized a little bit later. But I thought we would first take just a few moments to consider what baptism is and what the scriptures teach us about it. And the most natural place to go is Matthew 28. And you can go there with me. Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, where Jesus first instituted baptism as a church ordinance. So shortly after his death and resurrection, but before he ascended to heaven, Jesus met with his apostles, his appointed authoritative representatives on earth, and he gave them some final instructions, which all culminated at the end in what's known today most often as the Great Commission. This is the the straightforward summary of the church's mission our marching orders, what we're ultimately supposed to be about as the church. Something I'm sure most, if not many, or all of us are familiar with. Jesus instructs his apostles here in this way, his final words, starting in verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, obviously, there's a lot going on there, a lot more than just baptism. But I just want us to briefly focus on the baptizing part of this passage, right? And I just want us to, first of all, consider who should be baptized according to Jesus' instructions here. Notice Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So clearly, it is disciples of Jesus Christ, those who have put their faith in him as their Savior and now are taking a step to follow him as well as their master, that they are the ones who should be baptized. Now, we see that clearly here, but this is the consistent teaching of the entire New Testament. Uh, In the book of Acts, we see many examples of this. So, for example, Acts 2.41 says, So those who received his word, in other words, believed the gospel, were baptized. Uh, Acts 8.12 says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And then one other example, Acts 18.8 says, And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. So note that order. They believed and then were baptized. Now that's important. It has some important implications. First of all, it means that though many Christians practice infant baptism today, we would respectfully disagree with that practice. Because evidently, infants should not be baptized according to these texts and others, since they are incapable of understanding the gospel, acknowledging their sin nature, putting their faith in Jesus Christ as their substitute and savior, and making the decision to follow him as the disciple prior to baptism, which again is the pattern. They believed and were baptized. 
Now, second, this also means that baptism does not make you a disciple, but rather it makes known that you already are a disciple, that you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and now you are desiring to follow him. Okay, baptism doesn't make you a Christian any more than wearing a a wedding ring makes you married. Right? The ring is a visible sign of the reality that you are already. You've made that covenant already with your spouse. Well, in the same way, baptism is a visible sign that you already are a disciple of Christ. That covenant has already been made through faith in him. And then thirdly, it's interesting if we, we look at the examples that were mentioned before. There is no period of time between baptism Uh, belief and baptism, right? Rather, what we see in all of these examples is that these new Christians were very shortly after, some of them immediately baptized after conversion. So again, to use the image of a a wedding ring, just as a, a couple immediately puts on their wedding rings to show we've made this commitment, they want publicly everyone to know that we're now identified with this other person, husband and wife, So in baptism, we immediately or should shortly after make that known. And we see this in the conversion, probably one of the most famous conversions in baptisms uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, 36 to 38, where after he was told the gospel from Philip and believed, we read, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So who should be baptized? Well, according to the teaching and testimony of the scriptures, the entire New Testament, it is disciples of Christ who should be baptized shortly after conversion as a visible sign that they've put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and are now endeavoring to follow him. And that takes us to the second part of our text and what it tells us is what what baptism signifies. What exactly does it mean? What is baptism saying? Well, Jesus goes on to notice, specify in our text that his disciples must be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In biblical times, to do something in someone else's name was to identify oneself with that person according to their authority and purpose. And actually, the same is true for today in a lot of ways. So, for example, when someone acts on the power of attorney and makes legal decisions for someone else in their name, right, by doing that, they're identifying with that person and according to their authority, fulfilling the purposes they've given. And so when disciples of Christ are baptized in the name of the triune God, we are identifying with him as we act according to his authority and purpose. And specifically, as we make disciples for the one who has all authority. So verse 18, before Jesus gives the Great Commission, he says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So when he's saying, Now go baptize in my name, he's saying, You identify with me and do this in my authority. Now this reminds us that in Christian baptism, we are especially identifying not just with the triune God, the one true God of the universe, but specifically the Lord Jesus Christ and with his body, the church. And we see this when the first baptisms occurred 
in the early church in Acts 2, 38 and then 41. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we read a little bit later on. So those who received his word were baptized and notice they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 became part of the church. So that is what ultimately baptism is signifying. It's that identification with Christ and by with Christ, then also his body, his universal church, believers everywhere, and specifically a local church that we are part of. And yet the significance of baptism, it goes even deeper than that. In the physical act of of water baptism, a, a believer in Christ is publicly demonstrating what has already happened privately at the moment of conversion, when they put their faith in Christ. When we put our faith in Christ, we are told in Romans 6 that we were spiritually baptized or immersed, united to Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we're told we also were baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, the church. And in that, we were united to Christ. So as Christ physically died and rose again, when we put our faith in Jesus, we spiritually died and rose again to new life. And one day are promised to rise to new physical life like Christ in glory. glory. So Romans 6, 3 to 4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And I believe that's talking about our spiritual baptism, our immersion into Christ. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, that word baptism, it's a transliteration of the Greek word baptizo, and it literally just means to plunge under or submerge or dip or immerse into water. And it strongly points to full immersion in baptism, which we saw In the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch, in Acts 8, 38 to 39, it says, And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried him away. And of course, this image of of baptism by immersion, it paints this beautiful picture, doesn't it? Of what happened to us the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Right? As a disciple of Christ is, is immersed underwater, it represents the end of that old life apart from Christ. And then when you're raised up out of the water, it represents how we were born again to new life in Christ and how we now are united to him in his body. Right? In a sense, it says, you know, when, when, when the baptisms are going to happen, this person is saying through this act, look, I, I once was spiritually dead in sin, but now through faith in Christ, I am alive in him, born again to new life. Some years ago, a, a Brahmin believer in Christ was baptized in Madras, India. And he came wearing around his neck a sacred thread that all the Brahmins apparently would do. However, when he was baptized, as he came out of the water, he tore it off and threw it into the water, signifying that his old life as a Brahmin had ended. And from now on, he would learn to walk in newness of life. That is what baptism signifies. It is this new identification with Christ. The old has passed away. The new has come. 
Well, that finally takes us to why we should be baptized. Jesus concludes the Great Commission with this final exhortation. He says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Now, a disciple, this is the context of discipleship, a disciple is just basically a learner, right, who is committed to obtaining and obeying the commands of his or her teacher or following the way of life that they are prescribing. And so not surprisingly then, the church is commissioned to make disciples of Christ by teaching those who put their faith in Christ to obey all that Christ commands. Now, in light of that, I find it surprising then that so many disciples of Christ disobey the first command to be baptized. Maybe uh, they haven't been taught that, you know, this is something that Christ expects of us in our discipleship. It's a wonderful, joyful public act. Maybe it's something that they've just been procrastinating on. Maybe it's something that, or they've just decided, you know, I, I, I'm just going to indefinitely put this off because I'm not sure if I want to do it. Well, whatever the reason is, we are told here that we need to do this. This is part of being a disciple. It's obeying his command. Now, of course, there's certainly some good reasons to uh, briefly postpone baptism at times or for people to wait a while. Uh, some may need a period of time to be taught what baptism actually means and what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Uh, some may be presently in a situation where they can't get baptized or maybe they can't get baptized by immersion as they would want to. There's not a big enough body of water or something like that. Uh, some may not be able to give a clear and credible profession of faith. And so those who are going to be doing the baptism, uh, they're not sure. Does this person understand the gospel? Are they a believer? Sometimes, you know, young children come to faith in Christ. They're believers. They have eternal life. But maybe they're not old enough yet to really understand the cost of discipleship and understand exactly what baptism means. Or maybe it's not clear. Is this your decision or your parents? And then for others, maybe they want to wait for a special baptism service like this. There's certainly some reasons to uh, briefly postpone baptism if you're a believer. But under most circumstances, and in most cases, I've found that those who are disciples of Christ and aren't baptized, it's simply a matter of obedience. Christ is clearly commanded yet, and yet so many do not obey. And I just want to ask you in closing, might that be true for you? Have you maybe been putting this off if you're a mature believer and disciple of Christ? Or... Is it something maybe that you've just never really considered? Yeah, I am a believer. Do I need to be baptized? It seems that I do. Well, let me just ask you, what is stopping you from being baptized if you are a disciple of Christ? Why do we seek to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because Christ commands it. And we're his disciples, and we love him, and we want to do what he says. Why do we obey the command to... Love our neighbor as ourself. Again, Christ commanded it. Why do we want to make disciples of all nations? Because Christ commanded it. So why then also would we seek to be baptized? Because Christ commanded it. And as his disciples, we want to do what he says because we know it is for our good. And we know it's a wonderful opportunity for us to declare the gospel and declare what Christ has done in our lives. So if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ today and you have not yet been baptized, I just want to encourage you. We have some pamphlets in the back that explain again a bit more about baptism. And I would just encourage you to consider what's keeping you from being baptized. Let's take a moment to pray about that and also to ask the Lord to bless the baptisms we're going to celebrate today.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, for the good news of Jesus Christ. That though we are sinners, though we have rebelled against God and rejected his word, though we have not loved you with our whole, whole soul, heart, soul, mind, and strength, <clears throat> excuse me, nor loved our neighbor as ourselves, and though because of that we deserve nothing but your judgment, you in love have sent the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to come and live a perfect life for us, to die as a substitute for our sins, and to be raised again victorious over Satan's sin and death in order to give us eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, and to reconcile us to you so we can call you Father. Thank you for this good news. And thank you for baptism, which you've given us as a blessing in order for us to publicly declare that gospel and what you've done in us. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the old has passed away, the new has come. We are no longer slaves of sin, but rather we are a new creation. We have been delivered from the penalty and power of sin and death. And so I thank you, Lord, for that. And I pray today, Lord, if there are some here today who are believers and disciples of Christ who have not yet made this decision, that they would consider it and you would give them wisdom and understanding to do this. And I pray especially for those who will be baptized today. Thank you for their desire.